Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, November 7th. We take a look at what's driving the shift away from the Republican Party. More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. Tomorrow, as you know, is Election Day, and there's still time to vote. You can cast your ballot or drop off your mail-in ballot at one of more than 200 vote centers across the county. They're open from 8 until 5 today. Tomorrow, they'll be open from 7 in the morning until 8 at night when the polls close. If you plan to mail in your ballot, it must be postmarked by tomorrow. To find the vote center closest to you, go to kpbs.org slash voter hub. If you feel like the days have seemed shorter lately, you're right. Daylight saving time ended yesterday early in the morning. You can expect to see roughly 10 hours of daylight each day. And if you're thinking, I thought we were going to stop doing this, you're right. A push to make daylight saving time permanent was passed by the Senate earlier this year, but has been stalled in the House. Legislative aides say they don't expect Congress to reach an agreement before the end of the year. You want to again brace for some stormy weather this week? The National Weather Service says we can expect rain, colder temperatures, and gusty winds through Wednesday. And in the mountains, it's expected to snow. You may also want to cover your outdoor plants and bring pets indoors during the chilly weather. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. It's no secret that voter registration in the county has been trending away from the Republican Party in the last two decades. KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser looked at the data to see what's driving the shifts. Take a look at a San Diego County voter registration map and you'll see a county that's become quite a bit more blue over the past two decades. And some voters who've left the Republican Party have no problem telling you why. For Bonita resident Nikki Petzl, it was Donald Trump's campaign for president in 2016. To the point where by time it came time to vote in 2020, there was just absolutely no way I could vote for another Republican ever. While she grew up Republican and conservative, now she votes the entire Democratic ticket. The entire ticket. <laughs> Even if I didn't know what it was, there was just no way I was voting for anybody Republican. Petzl is part of a political shift in San Diego's voter registration between 2004 and 2020. 
It's transformed San Diego from a county so reliably red to the light blue county it is today. The impacts of the sea change have been significant, says Thad Kauser, a politics professor at UC San Diego. We've seen this radical transformation just over the last two decades in San Diego from really a Republican stronghold to to a, a battleground and now an area where if you look at the county board of supervisors, the city council, the legislative coalitions, Democrats have, have almost locked up every position. But the move away from the Republican Party has not happened evenly across the county. Areas like Escondido, Carlsbad, Lake San Marcos and Valley Center all saw a drop in registered Republicans. But GOP registration actually increased in other places, like El Cajon and Encinitas. California Republicans were always more moderate, with leaders like Congressman Brian Bilbray and Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, who were socially liberal and pro-environment, but fiscally conservative. So the shift makes sense, Kauser says. And that's not Donald Trump, right? Uh, the culture wars, uh, getting rid of, of, of reproductive choice through through Roe v. Wade and 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 pulling out of the Paris Climate Accords, those sorts of steps took uh, the Republican Party sharply to the right and, and really too far to the right for many San Diego Republicans. Jordan Gascon is no fan of Trump, but the executive director of the San Diego County Republican Party wants local Republicans to fight for change within the party rather than leave. Staying Republican and moving the Republican Party in the direction that you want to see it, I think, is very important. And people should stay in the Republican Party to do that, to affect change. Also, the data show voters fleeing today's GOP aren't necessarily flocking to the Democrats. Far more are becoming no-party preference voters, which creates a new reality for campaigns. Ryan Klumpner, a San Diego-based campaign consultant, says the so-called independent voter used to be someone who'd checked out of politics. That's no longer the case. Affiliation as an independent is actually a reflection that they hold very specific opinions about politics rather than that they don't want to be bothered with politics. Klumpner says the region's demographics and growth patterns also play a significant role. For example, areas like Mira Mesa and Mission Valley have built more dense housing in the past decade, which draws in residents who are more likely to be lower income and younger, and those voters are less likely to be Republican. That changes the issues that they care about and how they live their lives, their access to public transit. In a different environment, the same voters might be behaving a different way because they would care about different issues. But who knows how long this new behavior will last? As experts tell you, local politics can be like the weather. If you don't like it, just wait a while and it will change. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. In other election-related news, no doubt by now you've been inundated by political ads on every platform, from TV to YouTube. As KPBS reporter Alexander Wynn tells us, businesses spent big bucks this campaign season to advance their issues. Only one proposition supports California tribes like ours. On the airwaves, voters are flooded with hundreds of political ads this midterm election. San Diego State economist Miro Kopik says, more than $300 million has been spent on ads for Propositions 26 and 27, which would legalize sport betting. Prop 27 in particular is supported by out-of-state booking companies. Kopik says a lot of money is on the line. There's a lot of business on the line for either initiative, 
that that voters have to think about, and that will either impact uh, tribes or out-of-state gambling uh, organizations, and that's going to be one that has significant business impact. Locally, voters will weigh in on measures C and D to raise the height of buildings in the Midway District and to lift the ban on project labor agreements. Kopik says both will have a significant impact on the business community. Alexander Wen, KPBS News. Governor Gavin Newsom is telling cities across California to do better with their plans to deal with homelessness. Until they do, he's halted state funding for those projects. San Diego is one of the affected cities. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado has reactions from San Diego's City Council President. San Diego Council President Sean Elo Rivera shared some good news on homelessness. San Diego housed 12,000 people who were experiencing homelessness over the past year. 12,000. That doesn't mean move them into shelter. That means move them into permanent housing. But in the next breath, he gave the reason it isn't making an impact on the streets of California's second largest city. However, in that same amount of time, about 15,000 people fell into homelessness. This comes on the heels of some tough news for San Diego and every city relying on state funding to deal with homelessness. Governor Gavin Newsom has stopped payment on those grants, saying in a statement that Californians demand accountability, not status quo. And the city's plans collectively would only reduce homelessness by 2% statewide by 2024. Newsom said this approach is unacceptable and everyone has to do better. So far, the state has given over $1.5 billion and the third round would dole out another billion. I think the governor's response is the same response that so many of us have, which is that the status quo is unacceptable, that we're not making progress fast enough and and in too many places, we're slipping backwards. Elo Rivera says he gets it, and the city leadership is committed to solving this crisis. I think that the governor's challenge to us yesterday should be, if we needed any additional motivation, that should be it, that we've got to take a different approach to what we're currently doing now. He says the state withholding those funds will not put any of the city's programs in jeopardy this year. But it does make it more urgent to update their plans. We don't want to see any interruptions, obviously. I think we can maintain continuity now while also adapting and ensuring that we make the changes necessary to make real progress. And in order to make real progress, Ilo Rivera says one of the critical steps the city must take is to pass tenant protections. We are acting with urgency to stem the tide of people who are becoming homeless so that San Diegans can start to see some progress on this issue that I think is having huge, huge impacts on our community on our psyche as a community, and is a humanitarian crisis. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. President Joe Biden continued his visit to San Diego's North County Friday, promoting the recently passed CHIPS and Science Act. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer was there. President Joe Biden came to Carlsbad to talk about microchip in semiconductor production at the headquarters of Viasat, a broadband satellite company. He said companies like Viasat will get an economic boost from the Chips in Science Act that he signed in August. Instead of relying on chips made overseas, could be delayed because of a pandemic or some global disruption, now they're going to be able to have those chips available on the spot. Biden says the act includes a historic investment 
of $50 billion to try and surge production of American-made semiconductors and tackle supply chain issues to make more goods in the U.S. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Coming up, we chat about the first USA Blind Soccer National Team's tryouts that were held in Chula Vista. We'll have that and more just after the break. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. If you're a teacher, here's some good news. $250,000 in matching funds are now available to San Diego County teachers trying to pay for their classroom projects. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez has more on how teachers can apply. Any teacher within the San Diego Gas and Electric Service area who raises money for classroom projects can apply for the power company to match the money. A quarter of a million dollars is now available to supplement learning in science, technology, engineering, math, and racial equality education. The annual campaign is funded by SDG&E shareholders. Tamara Muhammad is principal of Lemon Grove Academy Middle School, which has received matching funds. When our teacher can add some extra pieces, I say the sprinkles, that helps keep our children engaged and keep them loving school. So this is extremely helpful because it provides resources. Applications for matching funds are being taken through DonorsChoose.org until the money runs out. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. The U.S. now has its first blind soccer national team. Tryouts for the team were held in Chula Vista last week. 13 players with visual impairments and three-sided goalkeepers tried out. KPBS video journalist Mike Damron was at the tryouts and is here to talk to us. Mike, thanks for being here. I really appreciate being here with you guys. First, uh, what changed about the game of soccer to accommodate blind players? Well, it's not so much about the changes, it's what it is. It stands alone by itself and being this really new, really cool sport that allows these players that might not be able to play a sport like soccer Especially, you know, soccer is hard enough by itself. And then having, a, you know, a visual impairment. I grew up playing soccer, too. So one of the first things I noticed is the actual size of the soccer ball itself. It's a little bit smaller. 
and it's a lot heavier because it actually has these beads inside that make this really, really loud noises when you kick it. So the arena they play in also, it, you know, the sound echoes around, so you can hear it very clearly, and it almost works as like a sonar. So they're able to track the ball and, you know, keep the ball in play, and, and with the communication, they know which way to deliver that ball. So the guys were out there, and they have to. They have to communicate, and everybody was talking. The term they use is voy which they uh, yell at each other to let them know that they're in their vicinity. They have their own culture going on the field, and it was really interesting to watch them work together. You spoke with some of the players trying out. Can you tell us about some of their stories? Sure. The one kid I was talking to, he's not really a kid, he was 33, uh, Cody Kirchner that actually made the team he, he talked about growing up with a family full of athletes. His sisters played soccer and now playing D1 volleyball. His dad played soccer. And he himself played a lot of blind sports leading up to finding blind soccer. And he was really excited about being there and having an opportunity to possibly, you know, represent his country in a pretty new sport. I have athletes throughout my family and I was never able to really partake when I was a kid or participate because I was blind. And so when I discovered blind sports, I fell in love. And I fell in love the moment I stepped onto a soccer pitch. And also, Brant, he's one of the goalkeepers and he's actually sighted. And he was just, mind. his mind was blown about, you know, he plays what we think of more traditional soccer and to be able to work with these guys and learn it, you know, their game and be a part of what they're going through. Blind soccer has been a part of the Paralympic Games since 2004, but the U.S. has never had its own team. Why is that changing now? It's not really something that a lot of people have heard of. Uh, it's still relatively a young sport. Most of the bland players come, uh, played a game that's called goalball, and it's more of a cross between volleyball and soccer when they, they lay on the floor and you know they have the same kind of ball that makes the noise and everything. But now a lot of them are graduating and moving to actual soccer because in goalball, you couldn't kick the ball at all. Now in soccer, they're on their feet. They're running around. And, you know, speaking with the head coach, Katie Smith, she said a lot of the issues come from, you know, what could be violence in the sport. I mean, it's a pretty rough sport. They're still running into each other. They're falling. There's side panels that they're running into, almost like hockey checks. With my cameras being out of play and off the field and in a little box, I almost got ran into a couple of times. They ran into the wall right in front of me. So I think the safety and getting the word up, out about this this new fledgling sport, you know, it's still in the you know baby stages of it. And Mikey, I can imagine that these tryouts were very memorable and meaningful to these players. Yeah, I think a lot of the players understand the magnitude of what they're doing right now because they're a first, you know, uh, they're they're going to be the first team uh, competing in blind soccer moving forward. And it, I think they know the importance of getting the word out about the sport. So more to let other blind people know or blind players that this is possible and is, you know, achievable for them, you know, just like Cody said in this clip. To represent my nation, my country, to, to put on a jersey with USA behind on, on the back of it is just incredible and then to think of all the blind people who 
are sitting at home right now thinking they can't do this. They can't do something as simple as crossing a street. Is And I'm out here trying to represent them, trying to spread this message that yes, you can, you can do those things. And if you do them well enough, you can one day put on this jersey too. So what is next for this new team? Uh, after the selection Thursday, the next for them is a lot of international play leading up to the Paralympic Games in 2028 in L.A., which that will be the first time they held the Paralympic Games there. So they have a, you know, a couple good years of really nailing down what the game's going to be and what it's going to look like. And it's also being played in other countries. So they're going to do a lot of international play and hopefully carry the sport forward. Wonderful. It's been great chatting with you, Mike. We hope to have you on the podcast again sometime soon. Love to do it. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.